0: You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Thanks, Matt, and uh, good morning, everyone. Again, it's great to see you. I I confess, I'm going to pray in a moment because... um, it just felt like it's, it's been hard this week. The opening of my sermon is upbeat, engaging, but it just, it's there's this heaviness this week with, with the events here in Australia and also in the Middle East. Um, and so I'm just going to pray that as we, we open God's Word, that He would speak and that He'd help me to, to speak clearly as I do that. So would you pray with me, for me? Uh, Father, we, we come and we thank You that You are indeed undefeatable. And Lord, as we, we come uh, this morning and we look at this area of work, Father, we pray now that as we, we look to your word, Lord, you would, you would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we, we wouldn't forget the events of our world around about us, but that we would look at Jesus and learn this morning from you about this important area of our lives. And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, I read a fascinating article this week, actually, and it said that the average amount of time that the average person will do certain activities throughout their lives is as follows. Put yourself in this and ask if this is you. Apparently, if you live to 80, you will spend eight months of your life laughing, five weeks arguing, 30 hours crying, three years posting stuff on social media, Uh, Eight and a half years shopping if you are a woman. One whole week of your life trying to find your woman who is shopping if you're a man. Uh, (laughs) Men will spend four months shaving their hair. Women will spend 18 months brushing, washing, blow-drying, straightening, curling, and cutting theirs. Uh, We'll both spend 26 years of our lives asleep. But here's the single biggest category. And you know what's coming here. The average person in a lifetime, the average lifetime of 80 years will spend a whopping 105,000 hours, It's a lot of time, which equates to 12 full years of 24-hour days of their lives working. That's a lot of time. Uh, Work, you don't need me to tell you this, is one of the most important um, things that we, we do. It consumes the, the huge amount of our time and our energy and our effort. It can be incredibly rewarding, and it can also be incredibly difficult and frustrating. And work, uh, because it's such a big thing, Proverbs, which is, which is teaching us how to live skillfully in God's world, has a lot to say about work. And as we look at it uh, this morning, I'm not, rather than tell you uh, about what it says about work, although I'm going to do some of that, I want to introduce to you somebody who uh, models for us what work is, and we 've met her before. Uh, you might remember at the very beginning of Proverbs when we began this series, um, Proverbs chapter one from one to chapter nine it models for us wisdom and foolishness through two different women. Remember that and they 're in the running their fast with their, their food stalls, and on one side there was lady. Dame Folly, and she had a fast food restaurant or stand that was easy, cheap, dirty, and unhealthy. And on the other side, you had Lady Wisdom, whose, whose restaurant was all of the other things. It was clean, quality, lavish, tasty, life-giving. And Proverbs was talking, this young man is walking through the marketplace, and, and he's hearing the, the voices of Folly over here and, and wisdom over there. And he's, Proverbs is saying, you're going to choose where you're going to eat. You're all going to eat at one. So choose wisdom. But at the end of Proverbs, the, from where we read today, Proverbs 31, the, the writer of Proverbs doesn't just like um, kind of say, this is, this is how it looks. You actually see Lady Wisdom out of the restaurant in work clothes. So, Proverbs 31, you might have thought, Oh no, is this a, is this the, is this a sermon on marriage? Because it's all about the excellent wife. I thought this was on work. Am I, am I in the. What, have they got this mixed up? No, it's very deliberate because you could definitely. Uh, have Proverbs 31 and speak about marriage, because it's translated for us, Proverbs 31, an excellent wife who can find, she's more, far more precious than jewels. But actually, uh, the word excellent wife is literally, from the Hebrew, a woman of strength who can find. Uh, An excellent wife is also a good translation, and that fits with the context of Proverbs 31, but it talks about a woman of strength. And actually, the word um, for excellent that's translated there, or strength in the original Hebrew, is exactly the same word that is used to describe David's mighty men, Uh, his, his elite band of warriors elsewhere in the Old Testament. So, it's 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 talking about valiant, might be another translation, a a valiant woman who can find it, a strong woman who can find. And you could use this passage to speak about marriage and family because she's a strong, valiant woman in that area. I think you can look at it equally, and perhaps even more so, as we look at this topic of work. Because we can see the way that this valiant, strong woman conducts her affairs at work we are, have a model for us of what wise living in God's world in this, to this part, of, this part of our huge part of our life work looks like. So, three things that she teaches us about wisdom at work. Number one, work honestly. 31 verse 11, the heart of her husband trusts in her. Uh, the Proverbs 31 woman is working from home. Uh, she's running a, a thriving cottage industry, and her husband as co-owner of the business has got full trust in her, because she's honest. She says, and behaves in a way that reflects what is true to him and to her customers and the people that she deals with. Wise workers are honest workers. Dishonest workers live unskillfully in God's world. And... uh Wise workers, who are honest workers, live in such a way that their actions reflect positively on the people they interact with, because they're honest. Dishonest workers, Proverbs says, hurt people. For example, 11 verse 1, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord but a just weight is his delight. A false balance was you're buying something in the marketplace and you paid for a certain amount, but the, the, the scales were rigged and you got less than you paid for. Proverbs says it's an abomination. You know, ripping off people in customer service, Proverbs says, is an abomination to the Lord. Have you thought about that? Have you ever been ripped off I'm sure you have. Uh, quite recently, I encountered a lovely man on Gumtree, and, um, and we were, I was negotiating to buy a phone with him from him. And, and it just turned out he just wanted to talk about Jesus all the time. And I was like, man, this, this guy's just, his heart's in a wonderful place. And so, and as, it turned, as we went on, it turned out that he, he was running a construction company um, and he had a whole bunch of phones, not just one that I was trying to buy, but a couple of others that I could buy as well. And he was going to do a wonderful package and you know where this is heading, $2,000 later of scamming, scammed. And you, and you feel, it's so humbling, isn't it? Because you, you can, if you're like me, you can go, oh, people are so silly how they get scammed, until you get scammed. And then you realize that dishonesty is clever. That guy made a, a tidy little profit, $2,000 for nothing from him, except a few conversations about Jesus on the phone. But Proverbs actually says, not only does it, do you, is that an abomination, uh, when you work dishonestly, But it actually says very specifically that if you work dishonestly in your workplace, whatever it looks like, you are actually inviting God's opposition to you in all of your life. Um, Proverbs 23 verse 10 says, Do not move an ancient landmark or enter the fields of the fatherless, for their Redeemer is strong, and He will plead their case against you. Proverbs speaks in the context then of of shifting boundary stones to steal from those who were not able to defend themselves, particularly the poor and the vulnerable. And Proverbs says, you do that, you you might get away with it, but you will fight against God and He will be the prosecuting lawyer at your trial. So there's there's a very clear warning in Proverbs that the Proverbs 31 woman models for us that honesty in our workplaces is skillful living? Are you honest in your workplace? If you're a Christian here this morning, we are called to be honest. Even if those in our workplace are not, and if we are part of a a company or corporation that's being dishonest, then that, as Christians, we need to stand for what is right. So, the Proverbs 31 woman says, smart, skillful living is honest living in the workplace. Secondly, Work hard at work. Second heading. 3115, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She looks well, verse 27, to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Uh, A very strong theme of Proverbs, which we see modeled in the Proverbs 31 woman, but also throughout the book of Proverbs is you need to work hard. You need to work hard at work. Uh, Proverbs 10, verses 4 to 5, for example, says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hands of the diligent make rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Uh, that, the principle we see in the Proverbs 31 woman is one that is modeled throughout Proverbs, work hard at work. Now, it's important to recognize that for some people, uh, work, paid work is not possible, and there are a lot of good reasons that that can be the case. And sometimes uh, paid work is possible, but living in a world where injustice takes away the fruit of that work, so it still results in poverty. For example, Proverbs 13 verse 23 says, The fallow ground of the poor would yield much food, but it's swept away through injustice. So, uh, Proverbs is not saying, oh, well, look, if you work diligently, then you're going to be s- um, successful financially. It's not that simple. And actually, the Proverbs 31 woman models through her hard work and the income that comes through that. It, verses 31, verse 20, chapter 31, verse 20 says, she opens her hands to the poor and she reaches out her hands to the needy. So, obviously, not everyone can work all the time, but And Proverbs is saying, it is no disgrace if you are poor because you cannot work or you face injustice. But Proverbs very clearly says that if you are poor because you are lazy and you will not work, then Proverbs actually reserves some pretty fierce scorn for you or for people in that that category. It's not politically correct when you read it, but it's very, very clear. So the commentator Derek Kidner talks about, uh, the sluggard is the translation of the lazy man that is that is kind of typified in Proverbs as a fool. And uh, Derek Kidner, one of the commentators in Proverbs, he says this: He's got three problems, all of which come from his character. He won't begin things, he won't finish things, and he won't face things. A sluggard or a lazy person. And he goes on, uh, gives some so he prefers sleep to work, and so is an irritant to those around him. Proverbs ten twenty six. Like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. So clear, isn't it? If you had smoke in your eyes at a campfire, that's like a sluggard to someone who sends him at work. More than that, his slack approach to work hurts those around him directly in their work. 18, verse 9 Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. See that? You're slack in your work, you may as well be destroying things because that's what you're doing. And Proverbs says the person who's a sluggard, who's lazy and slack, will be also dissatisfied and unsatisfied in their work. 13, verse 4 the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And then finally, the sluggard, the person who is lazy in their work, is going nowhere in life. So, verse uh, 12, 24, the hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labour. The Proverbs 31 woman says, work hard at your work. Um, Do you work hard at your work? It's not, uh, for some of us, I I, I really think I'm lazy by inclination. For some of us, it's hard to work hard at our works, because we'd much prefer to be working hard at our handicap on the golf course, or, or whatever it is that we might be doing. Um, but Proverbs continues to, to speak to us very directly in saying, working hard at your work is a sign of living skillfully in the world, whatever your work is. Whether it's the homemaker, as the Proverbs 31 is, running a cottage industry, or whether you're running a billion-dollar industry, you need to work hard at your work, Proverbs says, if you're going to live skillfully. In God's world, this used to tra- This used to be a major uh, proverbs. Used to really get under my skin when I was a teenager. Um, you know, like like a lot of teenagers, I I got forced to work in year twelve and in the family dynamics. But then when I was eighteen, I left home. Um, I went to the Australian Defence Force Academy, and with all of my wisdom, living skillfully in the world, I chose an arts degree, largely because it has the least contact hours. And suddenly, I went from being sort of in this controlled environment to going like got like seven contact hours a week for my degree and, uh, and I discovered that there was wonderful things to, to fill in that time with, especially the world of Warcraft and uh, that, I'm dating myself but the, it's a game if you haven't heard it and I, I discovered there was many fruitful hours to be spent playing the world of Warcraft and, um, and I, I remember one particular um, night, I'd well, afternoon, actually, I'd stayed up, I think, all night the night before playing the World of Warcraft, and then sort of managed to sort of bumble through work in the morning, and I had no contact hours that afternoon. I remember it was Canberra, it was cold, it was winter, and I had my nice, cozy little room, pulling the covers up, and I remember, I vividly remember (laughs) Proverbs getting inside my head, and this Proverbs 6, verse 7, it says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? It's like, I think that's me. Um, When will you arise from your sleep? And then this bit, a little sleep, a little slumber, that's what about what I was to do, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. I remember thinking, oh, so much for my nice, cosy little sleep. All I could think of is, the, is the, the, the robber and the poverty coming on me like an armed man. But I could see the warning. Yeah, and uh, it was very clear to me um, that, Something had to be done. So a little while after, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm not, I'm not strong enough as a person to go in moderation. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with computer games uh, used in moderation. I'm just not able to do it. So I actually, uh, in those days, there were compact discs. So I scrunchled I t- up all the compact discs, threw them in the bin. And that was the end of my gaming experience. And I'll tell you, though, it, I don't, you might be completely different. That was the day when I, I grew up. When I stopped being a boy and became a man, in my view, took on some responsibility and went, okay, you know, I'm here to do more than play games. It's time to work. And Proverbs, a so Proverbs 31 woman would have said, well done about time, boy, because work hard at your work. Now, Proverbs, um, it says work hard at your work, but maybe when you read Proverbs, like when I read Proverbs, I said, I wish you'd give us some more information about. About like what work I should do, whether I should find work enjoyable or not. Um, what about workaholism, working too hard? Proverbs has very little to things, very little if nothing to say about the choice of work that you do and and um, and your work-life balance and those kind of things. It just says work hard at your work, and it's probably because the concept we have today, most of us have today, of our career and our choice of work, it's actually a historical anomaly. Uh, throughout history, you did, on the whole, what your dad or your mum did, and it's still uh, reflected to this day in the surnames that we have. So, for example, Taylors, Bakers, Smiths, Wrights, um, Masons, and Chiselwells. You know, like all of these. That was a joke. But anyway, I don't know. I've got no idea. For chisel. But all of these, that you're basically just carrying on the work that your parents did before you. The word career in the English language first showed up in 1803, relatively recently. Um, because careers would, the, 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 our concept of a career where we choose something, it's just a wonderful privilege that we enjoy, unlike most people in history, but Proverbs would say, what matters more than your choice of of work is how you do the work. And it would say continually that work is plowing one furrow in the field one day, and the next day, harnessing up again and plowing the furrow next to it, and then the next day doing the next day. There's a There's a working hard and consistently ethic in Proverbs it says that you will live skillfully when when the boss is watching you and when he or she is not. And we know in the New Testament that, and, and we know this for a fact, that how we work in that big chunk of our lives reflects to the world around us who we are as people. And ultimately, if you're a Christian here this morning, who Jesus Christ is. Have you thought about that? that you are an ambassador in your workplace for the truth of Jesus. And the New Testament would say, so work hard. Be a good worker. And, and maybe you've lived in the workplace and you've worked with a Christian and, um, and sometimes if, if you're a Christian yourself, you know how, how much capital you have in this. Another Christian moves into your workplace and you want her or him to be good at what they do, don't you? You want them to be hardworking, you want them to be competent. Because, you know, you, well, you don't want them to spend the whole time talking about Jesus at the water cooler and doing no work. Because in the end, that reflects a very, you can say what you like, but if you don't work well, it reflects badly. I, I, can, think, <laughs> I can think of some very uh, bad examples. And so I'll, I'll share you one, one with me, right? This, this, is, this is embarrassing. I still feel shame to this day about this. Now, I want I to preface it with saying it happened 30 years ago, so I'll never do this kind of thing now. But... I hope not. But what it was, was um, we were on a, a food and sleep deprivation exercise in the army, and um, we hadn't had any sleep for a couple of days. And finally, we we're going to be given some sleep. It was 2 a.m. in the morning, and, um, and we we're each going to be given two hours sleep. And we we're going to be rotating through in shifts. And uh, I was on the first shift, getting the two hours shut-eye, and I remember vividly thinking, two hours is not very much. Um, so what I did was, it was I just, I just went a little bit further away to have my little shut eye and just happened to sort of sleep under into a little bushy patch. Uh, and, you know, like, you know, just things would happen, just a bit of an accident that I kind of slept there. But four hours later, like, it, it was just a, del- you know, just a wonderful surprise that I'd managed to get an extra two hours sleep because I hadn't been able to be found in the middle of the night. And I, I remember in the morning, you know, like, the plan worked... You know, like, no one ever pitted on me. No, what do you mean? It was just, I just, no, I didn't, didn't sleep. No, 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 you're imagining it. Your fault, you should have looked harder and you would have found me. But in my heart, I knew completely what I had done and it was horrible. I, I, I remember not being able to look the other people in that group in the eyes the next morning. You know, I'd worked badly. i worked lazily and the impact on others had been bad and to this day, this fills me with shame to think that, you know, the way I worked in that way caused other people to lose the sleep and, you know, I, I'd gladly, even the, even the next morning, I, I, I would love to have that time back. Maybe you've done that, maybe you've been like that in the workplace uh, and you know the impact it can have on others or you've seen other people in your workplace who claim to be Christian live in such a way that it reflects badly on the Gospel. So, Proverbs is very clear, work hard, Work hard at work, and the, the Bible as a whole would say, because there, there's a lot at stake in the way you work. All right, work honestly, work hard. Thirdly, work smart. Work smart. Um, seek the profitability of the place where you work. Um, the Proverbs 31 woman is a uh, entrepreneurial, smart-thinking woman. Look, 31.16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. So, Dana, have you uh, bought any fields? (laughs) The point that it's making, though, is this woman uh, working together with her husband in their cottage industry is profitable. She's making money. She's using her brains to think about things she could do to increase the profitability of her workplace. This is not capitalist dogma. It's Bible. When you work, think about the profitability of your workplace. Think of ways of doing things better that will turn a greater profit, that will make the business more effective. Uh, the Proverbs says, use your brain. God gave it to you, so use it. Uh, some of us, I think it's easy to go, like, I'm working nine to five, and I've got, I'm using 60% of my brain power, and I'll spend the rest of the time doing something when I knock off. And, but Proverbs says, no, invest your mind. Think about it. Be creative. Be entrepreneurial. Take some risks, like this, this Proverbs 31 woman is doing. Um, one example I can think of in our uh, church community here is Bianca. Uh, Bianca is someone who, uh, she's one of our MTS workers, uh, finishing up at the end of this year. We're going to miss her very, very much, unless we can somehow persuade her to stay. Uh, but she, she thinks this. She thinks about, okay, why are we doing this like this? Couldn't we do this like that? You know, what, what if we did this instead? What, what if we... What if we did a church camp, this is, this, that's very much her vision, and then once she's got, and say, all right, well, it's going to be a lot of work to pull off, and then she jumps in and does the work in a way that's creative and entrepreneurial. Proverbs would say, work smart, I'd be like Bianca, or be like the Proverbs 31 woman. So these are three things. Um, You can read Proverbs and see there are other things that come up about work, but I think these three capture the main things about work you see in Proverbs. And basically, it's summed up like, if you're a man, be like the Proverbs 31 woman at work. If you're a woman, be like the Proverbs 31 woman in your work. Because she is modeling for us wisdom, lady wisdom at work, living wisely, skillfully in God's world. You do this, and you will live skillfully in the world that God's created, and, and maybe it'll be said of you, as it is of the Proverbs 31 woman, at the end of your life, when you look back at those years of your life that you spent at work, Proverbs 31, 31, give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. That's Proverbs on work, and we could call it there, and say, okay, we looked at what Proverbs says on work, but I... I've been conscious the last few weeks that there's a few things that need to be said in regards to Proverbs and what it teaches us how to live skillfully. And the first one as we look at work is this, beware of applying what Proverbs says about your working to your salvation. Beware of what Proverbs says about skillful living in regard to your work in this world to your salvation. What do I mean? I mean that it's very easy to read Proverbs about work and say so I can say so I'm going to work hard, I'm going to work smart, um, and I'm going to be um, honest and, and I'm going to keep doing those things in, in my work and that's exactly what I have to do in regards to my relationship with God. I've got to work harder. I've got to work smarter. I've got to be more honest, I've got, to, I've got to pray more, I've got to be more diligent in the, in the rule of life as we looked at in the last series, I've got to, I've got to fast more, I've got to, I've got to show up to more things, I've got to, and, and then eventually, eventually when I get my act together, God is actually going to be pleased with me and he'll say, Andrew, you're now ready to be saved because you've worked so hard, you've labored so hard, you've now gone from being in my bad books to in my good books and I now love you. And this, you, you might not yet be with me, but I'm, I promise you that this is the natural inclination of nearly each one of our hearts, probably all of our hearts, is to, to look at the way that we get ahead in the world around us, and I work and I earn, and, and I need to work and earn and be diligent, and then say, that's the same with you, God, and that's the way I'm gonna be saved. And the Bible, the Proverbs says, 14:12. there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Here's one of those things. It seems right for you to relate to God as if he's your employer and you are earning his pleasure. And the Bible, especially the New Testament, says that's death. You do that and you miss the whole substance of what it is to be a Christian. If you think that you are working for God's pleasure and you are working for his favor, you have missed it. Um, it comes not through work. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 9. I'm going to read this in depth, because listen. And if in your heart you go, yeah, this is a bit like me, listen to this again. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Listen to this. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Listen again. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. This is so important, because if you come with a works-based approach to your faith and your, 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 your relationship with God, and if you come saying, I'm going to work harder, work smarter, work honestly, I'm going to work, 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 you can't. You can't do that any more than a person in a grave can turn over a new leaf and pull themselves out. You can't do it. And if you try to do it, you, you end up relating to God as a distant employer, and, and you look at your heart and you see the areas that you've fallen short and you go, I've fallen so far short. God is displeased with me. Or you look at yourself and give yourself a false appraisal and go, I'm amazing. I'm so good at my disciplines. Now God really loves me. Both of them are death. So when we think about work, be very careful about applying that to your relationship with God. If you're a Christian here today, you have that relationship as a gift. God in Jesus Christ loves you. He delights in you. The Bible says, uh, he rejoices over you with loud singing. You didn't choose him. He chose you. And then he appointed you to go and bear fruit. See, that's the difference. Work hard. Yes, be diligent in your prayer. Be diligent in the way you read the Bible. Be diligent in the way that you uh, obey the commandments of God. But do it from a heart that's not earning your place because you've already got it. You're just living who you are. So, that's the first thing. Second warning, beware of reading Proverbs on work, and last week, beware of reading Proverbs on wealth, and ending up in what you could call the prosperity gospel. This is a real danger, and it's one we need to beware of. So, you say, well, Andrew, what is the prosperity gospel I went to Wikipedia this is what it says I think it's a good definition it says this the prosperity gospel teaches that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for this life and that faith positive speech and donations to religious causes will always increase one's material wealth so the Wikipedia describes the prosperity gospel pretty good definition And if you've been following Proverbs, you'll know that Proverbs teaches that faith and speech and generosity are all skillful ways of living in God's world. And these things will usually result in material prosperity and blessing. That's the book of Proverbs. But here's what you need to hold in tension. Not always. Not always. There are three clear wisdom books in the Old Testament. They are Proverbs which teaches the way things normally work. Then there are Ecclesiastes and the book of Job, which are the counter to Proverbs in one way, and they say, yeah, but what about this? Read the book of Job. He's doing all of these things and yet suffering terribly. Or read the book of Ecclesiastes. Even more dangerous, though, than the prosperity gospel, which says that, because we know why it's dangerous, because you go like, well, I'm working hard at work, and I'm being careful with my money, and yet I'm not prospering now, and I'm not, and in fact, I'm actually suffering now, and I'm, I'm going through difficult times. And you think, well, my, what's wrong with my faith? I just need more faith because God wants all of these things for me right now, and I'm not experiencing it. So, what have I done wrong? That's part of the danger. But there's a bigger danger: is the prosperity gospel says that's what it's all about. It says that. Success in work and success in finances, that's what's on offer in the Christian message. The prosperity gospel says, you want to become a Christian so you get these things. That is so, so sad. What, all that's on offer in the Christian gospel is, is succeeding with wealth and going, well, are you serious? And having health now? No, that's, what is on offer in the Christian gospel is what? Come on. It's Jesus Christ. That's what's on offer, right? God himself is what is on offer. That's the gospel. And when we say it's all about health and wealth and prosperity, not only is it spiritually dangerous to us, it's actually a terrible heresy because it says those things are more important than actually knowing and experiencing God. Let me tell you, you can have health and wealth and prosperity and be going to hell. And many people are. The Christian gospel is the centrality of Jesus coming into the world and saving us and setting us free. So, yeah, live wisely in the world. Live wisely in the world. Live skillfully in the world. Most of the time, that's going to result in blessings materially, physically, um, in every way. But not always. Jesus said, if you'd come after me, take up your cross. It said, count the cost. You, you don't go to war with an army twice your size. It says, you don't begin building a building when you've only got half the money because in the end you look like a fool. It says, if you won't take up your cross and follow me, don't bother. The gospel is far more than the, 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 the things around the edge. The gospel is about God. It's about the beauty of Jesus Christ. Beware of the prosperity gospel. Beware, beware of reading Proverbs out of context. Third and finally, thinking specifically about work work is like relationships. It's like marriage, it's like family, it's like friendships, it's like money. Work is not bad, it's a good thing. But work is carried out in a world that is broken, in a world that is broken, work will be broken too. It's interesting that um, I think in my natural thinking, I would say that work was all part of the fall. You know, until in this perfect world before Adam and Eve sinned, it was just like one big long holiday, there was no work to be done, but actually that's not what the Bible teaches. It teaches that work was given to the man and the woman in the very beginning in the God's beautiful, perfect world, but that work is now broken. Uh, so, Genesis chapter 3, 17 to 19, God says to the man, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you'll eat of it all the days of your life, thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread, until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. So, work is, is broken. Um, <laughs> We can live skillfully at work in the world and we will still encounter its brokenness. So, if you're encountering that brokenness this morning in some way or other, you're living in this broken world, but it's not going to be broken for much longer. Now, very soon, very soon, work will no longer be broken because we will be with Him, the end of the Gospel, The gospel, we get Jesus now, we get Him for all eternity. And there will come a day when we will be with Him, and it won't be one long, restful holiday then. It'll be rest, but it seems to me that the future, our eternal future, still involves work, as it did in the beginning. Listen, for example, Revelation 22, verse 3. It says, His servants will serve Him. We will serve Jesus Christ. We will work. Uh, Randy Alcorn states in his book on heaven, he writes this, I think he's right. We will also have work to do in heaven, satisfying and enriching work that we can't wait to get back to, work that will never be drudgery. The day's coming soon when the end of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, will be fully fulfilled, and you and I will work serving Him for all eternity. That's good news. And until then, though, the Proverbs and and the Bible as a whole would say, don't treat your work here too lightly. It matters. You were made by God to work, so work well. Work diligently, honestly, smartly. But it would also say, I think, don't hold it on too tight. Because you live in a world where work is still broken. One day it won't be, don't find your identity in it, don't get caught up in it so that you miss all the other things in life that God has for you. Don't hold it too lightly, don't hold it too closely. Until then, and uh, someone this week uh, sent me this wonderful hymn or poem by a guy called Horatius Bonar, and I'm going to close by reading that, then we're going to pray, and then hopefully you've got some questions that we can, we can look at in a few minutes. But let me, let, listen, maybe close your eyes as I read these words and let's Pray. I bless the Christ of God. I rest on love divine. And with unfaltering voice and heart, I call this Saviour mine. Not what I feel or do, not toil, nor pain, nor blood, not all my prayers and sighs and tears can give me peace with God. Your work alone, O Christ, can ease my weight of sin. Your blood alone, O Lamb of God, can give me peace within. Father, we pray that you would help us to live skillfully, in your world, in regard to work. But help us also, we pray, to rest on your finished work in Jesus Christ, our Saviour, our Lord, our Friend and our King. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church,